When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. I got a fantastic episode for you today. I'm trying to get away from saying good every time. Fantastic episode for you today. I'm bringing on Pete. Um, I'm not going to get too uh, deep into his personal information, uh, just in case he needs to keep it, you know, kind of private for his occupation. So if he decides to disclose on that, that's fine. That's up to him. I'm bringing on Pete. <laughs> okay. And he has a bunch of experiences that he has been on other podcasts talking about. Um, he reached out to me and I immediately just fell in love with his stories. Uh, I think it's going to be a blessing to get to talk to Pete today. Uh, everything from Bigfoot to the paranormal to demonic entities, um, black cats. Uh, he and his family have had some experiences and I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to try to help uh, other people by hearing this story and maybe getting them to open up and you know to reach out to somebody to my show or to anybody else's show. Um, you know, I just I think this is great. I love being able to to have this open communication, have a place where people can come and talk, and not have to worry about um, you know being being singled out over what they've shared. This is a, I, I really enjoy knowing that people feel comfortable here. So thank you all very much for that. Um, we'll bring Pete on in just a second. I just wanted to say thank you to everybody that signed up to Patreon so far to become a member. Um, it, it really helps out a lot. We've had uh, a, a few people, you know, leave Patreon, but as soon as they leave, I have, you know, a few plus one join patreon so it's it's growing it's growing slowly but uh every bit of support helps a lot especially when you're going through this show without sponsorships and um it's you're working part-time job hours <laughs> you know what i mean so thank you everybody for that um we got easter coming up soon so i hope everybody gets to you know to celebrate that um i'm just grateful today i'm very grateful today it's been a good day there's been some blessings, and I hope you all feel it, too. So I'll just go ahead and bring Pete on the show. Give me just one second, and uh, I hope you all enjoy this whenever you're ready. 
Dear gracious Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. We come before thee, Father, tonight to thank thee for all the blessings that you've bestowed upon us all the days of our lives, Father. The most important of which is your precious blessed son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that you forgive us of our sins, Father. We ask that this interview will go well in accordance with thy will, Father. We ask that you deliver us from evil, that you protect Bo and his family and me and my family. And that you'll continue to bless us and his audience that's listening. Bless them, Father, and protect them as well. And we ask these things, Father, in the holy and blessed name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I Thank appreciate it. That's probably the best way to start every episode. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I fully, that's, I fully believe that. I do too. I do too. Um, all right. Um, everybody, this is Pete. <laughs> that's a that's a perfect way to do an introduction i think okay. uh i didn't go into your uh your background or anything like that Pete. so if you okay if, you know you can talk about whatever you want you can start wherever you want i know that there's a ton of stories that uh we can get into so wherever you're led let's let's talk about it brother okay well thank you um my name is pete marquez and i'm 50 years old I'm married. I have three kids. I've got a daughter who's married and doesn't live with us. And I've got two sons, one in high school, and one in junior high that do live with us. And um, I'm a retired police officer, almost 24 years. And I retired as a lieutenant. I'm cancel proof because I've already retired. <laughs> And I don't have any social media of any kind, so they can't cancel me. And so I pretty much speak my mind. And so I'll <laughs> apologize up front. I'm just, I'm, I'm opinionated and don't mean to offend anybody, but uh, it's good. They can't, they can't get me fired and can't get me canceled. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I was born and raised in West Texas. And I don't live there now. Uh, I told my wife I want to live somewhere nice before I kick the bucket. So we're in East Texas now between lakes where there's tall pine trees and green grass and it rains. Oh, yeah. It's a big difference from where I'm originally from, which is West Texas, mostly desert type land. And I'm the oldest of three boys. And uh, most of the stories I have uh, are from out there in West Texas. Okay. And they're either personal experiences of mine or stories that my parents relayed to us. Some were my father-in-law. My wife had stories also. Now, now, they're not all from West Texas because some of the things that we experienced happened while traveling in other states on vacation or or in other parts of Texas, but the majority of the stories are in, from West Texas. 
And uh, is there anywhere in particular you would like me to start, or well, should I, or could I try to start with my grandparents? Sure. Yeah, we can do it like a chronological way if you if you want to, Pete. Yeah, that probably would. That'd be probably best as far as for me keeping it straight in my head anyway. Okay. Um, this was my maternal grandfather's on my mom's side of the family. They, um, my mom and them, they grew up out there. I'll say, I'll say near the, near Pecos, Texas. Mm -hmm. Everyone's heard of the Pecos field and the road, the famous rodeo in Pecos. That, that was the area. And, um, she grew up near the Pecos river. And, uh, there was a lot of weird stuff that would happen out that way. And we, my brothers and I would hear these stories growing up and we were afraid to stay over there because of all the stuff that had happened out there mm. to the point that, uh, I only spent the night twice at that property. And once was for my grandmother's funeral. And the next time was six or seven years later for my grandfather's funeral, but we were scared to death because of all the stuff we'd heard that had happened out there. But uh, I guess the very first incident took place, it probably would have been the late 40s or early 50s. Back then, my grandfather would drink a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, so apparently, from what I understand, he and my grandmother were coming back from Pecos. They lived in a smaller town near there. And they were coming back from Pecos, but to try and avoid the law, he was taking the back roads home. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, he was, uh, my grandmother was with him. And so they were taking this uh, county road that runs parallel to the Pecos River. And it was late one night. Next thing you know, they said their, uh, their vehicle just flat out died. Hmm. And they had a hard time getting it to restart. And they eventually were able to get it going again. And they took off. And about the time they came off that county road up onto the main highway, they encountered what they said was a solid gold man that was walking towards them on the side of the road. As they passed it up, they noticed that the the solid gold man had red glowing eyes. And of course, uh, my grandmother started praying at the time they were Catholic. Right. Uh, later they converted to church of Christ, but that was years later. And of course, uh, my grandmother didn't drink at all. So she verified that this experience happened. And, um, later when my grandpa became church of Christ, of course he quit drinking totally. But back then he was still drinking. And um, so when we, when we, uh, we would ask of what, what, what was this gold man with uh, red eyes? What, what, what was that all about? Well, they would say it was la cosa mala. Now that's Spanish for the bad thing. Mm. And so as kids, you know, we always heard them say la cosa mala, the bad thing, the bad thing. And I remember at one point, I finally asked my parents, I said, everyone always talks about the, the bad thing. What does that mean? And they, 
they looked at each other and then they said, well, they, they said they didn't like saying it, but the reason they say the bad thing, they said the devil. It's okay. So I know that on both my mom and dad's side of the family, usually things were either la cosa mala, the bad thing, or it might signify they, they were real big into believing that something was a buried treasure. There was a buried treasure there if, if you saw something or whatever. Right. But they usually chalked it up to one of those two things. It's either the bad thing or there's buried treasure. <laughs> so as a kid, you know, I, I watched all the, I, I liked all the scary movies. And those are the kind of books I would check out at the library. You know, all the cryptids and UFOs and ghosts and all that stuff. And so I got to thinking, now I'll tell you my thinking has evolved over time, but at the time I was thinking, okay, they think it was the bad thing, but I'm thinking, okay, first your vehicle died and then you see a solid gold guy. So I'm thinking UFO or space alien activity, you know, right. That's what I thought, but I thought, well, you can't tell them that they don't believe in that stuff, you know, Yeah, but I was just a little kid. I was basing that on movies and books that I'd read and movies that I'd watched but um, another thing that would happen is my oldest uncle, my mom's oldest brother, lived on the same property that my grandma and grandpa had because he had like 120-something acres. Wow. And so they had, they, oh, and they grew cotton out there, and they were also cattle ranchers. So that's what they did on my mom's side of the family. So my... Um, my uncle and my cousins, they lived there. And something kind of related to that, they used to say that they would, they would see bright lights hit their, their house. Like if they were watching TV in the living room, all of a sudden these bright lights would hit the window. And so they'd get up and go check because they thought someone had pulled in and they thought they had company coming to visit. And, and when the cars would come off the main road into their property, well, it, it, the property was down lower than the highway. So when they come, when vehicles would pull in, the lights would hit the house. So they'd see these lights and think that they had company that came over. So they'd go see who it was and there was no one there. Mm. And one of the times that this happened, my cousins said they were, after they sat back down after the lights, they kept watching TV. And next thing you know, they had this big picture window behind the couch there in the living room. And they say when they looked over there, they saw the biggest white turkey you've ever seen staring at them from outside the window. So, of course, they all jump up. They grab their, their shotguns and, and stuff, and they run out the, the, by the kitchen door and the front door. They're going to they're gonna catch this turkey because they said they were going to bag it. They'd never seen a turkey that big. So they end up running all the way around the house and stuff, and they meet up with each other. They never found that turkey. But that was right after one of those incidents where the, what they thought were headlights hit the window. Yeah. So, you know, you read about the UFO stuff. A lot of times they'll mask themselves as like a big gray owl or yeah. a monkey or something like that. You know what I mean? Yes. And once again, they didn't know about that stuff. They didn't read those books. They didn't know about that kind of stuff. And so I was thinking, well, here we go. More alien activity, you know? And Another incident that happened out there, those, those same cousins told us that um, one night there was a beam of light that was coming down from the sky. Mm -hmm. 
And it must have been a new moon because they said the sky was completely dark. They couldn't see. I mean, you couldn't see the stars or anything. Uh, they said they couldn't tell where this beam of light was coming from, but they said they said it, it was shining from the middle of a field or it was shining down into the field, that cotton field next to them. But it was during the time of season where there wasn't any cotton. So it was just dirt out there in that field next to the house. Wow. And the beam was coming straight down and they saw it. And they decided that that meant there was buried treasure <laughs> there in the field. Yeah. But, but they said they were too scared to go out there and dig at night. So what they decided they would do is they pulled a chair off their front porch and they went and sat it down under that beam of light to mark the spot. <laughs> hey, that's smart, man. <laughs> yeah. So they went back in the house. They looked out there and sure enough that that beam of light was on that chair out in the field. And then, so when they woke up in the morning, the chair wasn't there anymore. The chair was back up on the porch. No. Yeah, and they and they couldn't find the spot where they had marked. Well, in their mind, once again, they thought it was buried treasure. And I think I always thought as a kid that that was more of the UFO type stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, lights in the and, sky. Yeah, and th that area in West Texas, it's it's real close. That Pecos River is real close to southeastern New Mexico. Yeah, relatively speaking, it's not that far from Roswell, New Mexico. So, yeah, but um, just to tell you what, what I think about the aliens, just my own personal opinion, the, uh, my way of thinking on a lot of this stuff has changed over the years. Um, just to tell you when I, where I started out was I thought it was these, I thought aliens were beings from another planet. Right. And uh, that's where I started. And I would always tell myself, you know, God is so great. Who's to say that he didn't create other planets with other beings? Right. Right. Well, that's what I used to think. Now, I, I stick more to what's in the Bible. If, if it's not in there, then I, I don't believe that that's what that is. Yeah. So that's where my, you know, I, I had read a, I don't know if it was a Chinese proverb or what, but what it said was a man that still thinks the same at 50 as he did when he was 20 has wasted his life and not learned anything. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, brother? <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, my way of thinking on a lot of things has changed. Uh, later on, I'll, I'll tell you some Bigfoot stuff. Um, yeah. Where I was at, what I thought it was compared to what I think now, two totally different things. But when we get to those stories, I can tell you about that. But, so later, my way of thinking evolved on the alien stuff. Um, I remember one time when I was in detectives, I was driving home and I happened to accidentally hit a station where people would call in and ask questions. They had two uh, preachers on there and they would do their best to answer people's questions. And somebody had called in and asked about aliens. Well, those two preachers said, uh, they said, they, they said it's flat out demonic. Mm-hmm. And I, I laughed so hard. I thought that was so funny. And I even went home and told my wife. I said, I was listening to these two preachers. And they asked them about aliens. And they said it was demonic. And I laughed so hard. I said, why, why, does, it, why does everything have to be demonic? If you ask a preacher, everything's demonic. 
And I said, I said, besides that, if they're demonic, why do they need a spaceship? Right. Okay. So that's what I said at the time. I was in my 30s. Right. <laughs> and I said, by that point, I no longer thought they were beings from other planets. At that point, I thought that it was future humans that had gone gone exploring and did space travel yeah and i thought being in that weightless environment it caused them to turn skinny and weak and yet they're so smart their brains got their heads got big and i said and they're coming back and they're trying to recapture something that was lost and that's why they're kidnapping people and taking their dna i said so i just think they're future humans they're coming back and and getting people so that that's what i thought at the time and fast forward to now now i actually agree with those preacher guys i think it is demonic <laughs> because i found out some stuff that i didn't know for example i had heard an interview on, on another show i can't even remember what show it was or who the guy was but he used to be a MUFON investigator, the um, Mutual UFO Network, where they catalog yeah. sightings. He used to be an investigator for them. And, and of course, he still now he does like the he, he still does the UFO, but he does like paranormal stuff and the cryptid stuff. And but he said the reason he quit is because any time a witness mentioned um, like the Greys would show up at night and try and abduct them. If they rebuked him in the name of Jesus, yes, they would flee. Yes. And he said that when he if he put that in a report, one of two things would happen. Either that report would not make it onto the database, or the incident would make it, but that part would be redacted out of it, like it didn't happen. So he got so tired of them, he doesn't know what the, the end game was or what the agenda was, but he got tired of it and decided. He wasn't going to have anything to do with them anymore. And that got me to thinking, I was thinking if, if they really just were beings from another planet, it would be the same as if a burglar broke into your house at night, try rebuking him in the name of Jesus. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. For it, for, for it to have an effect and for them to flee that I say it is demonic. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that the devil's the prince of the power in the air. Yeah. So a lot of the, like the spaceship stuff and all the aeronautical and all the stuff, the amazing things they can do. That's, that's part of his domain or authority or whatever you want to call it. And so my, my thinking has evolved a lot over the, over the years to where it went from beings from another, I think they're interdimensional as far as they could pop in and out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah I think it is demonic. Well, I didn't start out there, but that's where I think I think that's where we're at. Let me just uh, let me just go go in here and give your mind real quick too. Mm -hmm. like, like you, when I was young, I thought it was you know people from outer space, and then I went to the, the part where I thought, um, you know, aliens are our future descendants. The, again, mm -hmm. like you said, they have time travel because if time travel ever exists, it already exists now because they could come here now. Right. And I, I, that's what I thought they were, they were weak of body, strong of mind. And here they are. Right. Um, then the movie interstellar came out and maybe even more concrete. I believed it. Like, Oh, I, I nailed it, you know? Yeah. But 
in this last since I started this show, really, um, it's been coming for a few years, but I've been getting closer and closer to God. And the more stories I hear doing this show over the last couple of years, and the, the more I learn, which I'm learning every day, the more I'm reading, uh, I'm pretty much right there with you, Pete. I think that this is demonic. Yeah. Uh, I, I might lose people for saying that I might, I don't care at all if I, if I do, uh, um, you know, I'm at the point now when I look at the stars in the sky, I question what they even are, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I agree with you. If you can rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ, that means it is an antichrist. It is a, it is something not of God. Right. Uh, I'm, I, I agree with you, brother. I just had to let you know, you know, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, my mom had also told us um, when she was a little girl, so around eight years old or so, nine, her um, her bedroom faced uh, the Pecos River. And when traffic was uh, over there on the highway, when it would hit her window one night, she saw the silhouette outside of her window of a of a woman. Hmm. and this figure had snakes for hair and they were the snakes were moving like the medusas exactly now the, the interesting thing is my mom had never heard of medusa she didn't know who anything about medusa wow. all, all she knows is the silhouette outside her window because there was a curtain that was drawn for the night and with the headlights hitting the, the back of the window, it lit it up and there was a there was a woman standing there and her hair and the snakes were moving. And we asked her, what'd you do? She said, I got scared and I covered my head. <laughs> it, I ended up going to sleep. And she said it wasn't till way later she found out about the Medusa character in Greek mythology. And um which was interesting because before she ever heard of Medusa, she saw that figure outside her window. And, um, you know, that leads me to something else too. You know, a lot of the stuff that we were taught in school, that's Greek mythology, like the Medusa, the Minotaurs, Centaurs, all, all these. I think all that stuff right there, I've gotten to the point now where I don't think it was mythology. I think those things actually walk the earth. Yes, sir. And I think it was part of that corruption yes. where all human and animal and plants were corrupted. Yes. The and it led to the flood. Yeah. Genesis yeah. chapter six. Yes, sir. Yes. You were. Yes. That, that's exactly what this is. So we were, you know, I always found it interesting in school, but that's because I believed it was mythology. It was like made up. Right. It's real. All those, all those lowercase G gods are real. Yeah. And, uh. and, they're all uh, demonic fallen angels, you know, however you want to classify them, but yep. they were, they were the ones that the pagan people worshiped. Yes, sir. And, um, I think, I think we're going to see all that stuff again. Then they're already messing with it. You know, I, I was in finishing up high school in the late eighties. And I remember the first time those British scientists cloned a sheep named Dolly. I and I remember thinking, this is not good. This is not something we should be messing with. And, and 
look at all the stuff going on now uh, genetically modified food yeah they they call the seeds devil seeds yeah. or demon they call them demon seeds because once you buy those and plant them you can't replant them they, yeah, won't, they, they won't grow yeah. yeah 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 so they're just messing with all this stuff it's coming back again and this is my theory on it too my theory is um they were trying to thwart God's plan because Jesus was going to be born as a human through human bloodline. I think they were trying to corrupt that bloodline so that he wouldn't be hundred percent human. And, and what God said wouldn't come true. Pete, I, I, again, I hate to interrupt you, man, but I yeah. agree with you so hard on this. Uh, are you familiar with Dr. Michael Heiser? I've heard the name, but I, I, I've okay. never actually heard him speak, and I, I, I don't, couldn't even tell you what he looks like, but I've heard the name. Okay. Now, he does have a podcast, but he, okay. uh, on his podcast, he does some real deep dives on, on biblical stuff, but he is the author of a bunch of books, and he right. has one that if you can get, if you can grab the audio book or, or whatever of it, it's called Supernatural. Okay. That book will do so much uh to to help you uh you're already there you already have come to this conclusion this will just help validate everything that you're thinking everything that you're thinking that this dr michael Hyder, he has reached the same conclusions by reading the original uh uh scripts you know he is like a doctor or professor i'm sure people will correct me later but he's not just a theologian he right. he is a master of like ancient hebrew and sanskrit and aramaic he can read this stuff and he looked at the original texts and when he was in college he realized what the bible was saying versus what he was being taught right and he said it was cut and dry and it's what you're saying right now. Right. So that plan didn't work out. God right. flooded earth, wiped the slate clean and started over, right? Yep. Right. So now here, here's what I think is going on now. It didn't work that way. So Jesus was 100% human, 100% God. Mm -hmm. It didn't It didn't work. They didn't get to corrupt his... He's still human, right? Right. So what I think... The part of this plan now is he died for us as humans. What if, you know, they're talking about transhumanism and you becoming superhuman and more than human and all this other stuff. Yes, sir. If you alter your own DNA where you now have part animal DNA or part something else, are you now not, since you're not a hundred percent human, do you forfeit? your salvation willingly mm. if you agree to it do you see what i'm saying it's like they couldn't stop it on that end so now we'll take as many people as we can on this end yeah yeah you know yeah um that's a good question yeah i, I think that you would have to knowingly forfeit your salvation right um but you know a lot of people don't really seek salvation anymore well that's true um there's there's definitely i mean there was there was a an increase i believe for a couple of years in america people getting you know 
back to God. Right. I, I, I think we're back on the decline, man. Oh yeah. We're, we're headed back towards the one world government, one world currency and one world religion. And it's, yeah. it, it, they're just redoing Babylon all over again. Exactly. Yes. That's exactly what's going on. It's so obvious. I mean, golly, we could go on just on that stuff. I know. Yeah. Um, now, I will say this. The reason I didn't, I didn't mention what town this was, mm -hmm. where this happened, is because I still got cousins that live out there. Okay. And they're heavily armed. <laughs> <laughs> and people out there don't take kindly to trespassers and oh, they uh, I just wouldn't want anybody to show up out there and get hurt right but um, I will tell you that on my dad's side of the family they lived in Kermit Texas and the, the reason I mentioned that town is because I, I don't know any specific locations other than I know this is where this happened right and uh, he had said that one night, him and a friend of his were coming back from the movies. And back then, he used to walk everywhere he went. And he said he was about 14, I think. And uh, they'd gotten to their to get to their house, him and his friend. His friend lived two houses down from him. And to get to their house, it was easier to come up through the alley instead of the front of the street. And he says they... Uh, it was already dark and they, they come across a, a little black kitten there in the alley. Mm. And he said, when they saw it, they both said, of course it was in Spanish, but they both said, Oh, look, a little kitten. Mm -hmm. And when they said that they both reared their leg back to kick it. Mm. And he, he said, they didn't plan to kick it. They just both pulled their leg back to kick it. And they both had said the same thing. Look at the little cat. And he said when he did, he said this cat turned gigantic. And I said, gigantic? What do you mean gigantic? And my dad had said, he said it turned as big as a house. What? Yes. And I said, I said, how can a, a kitten turn as big as a house? I said, that, I, that's unbelievable. That's incredible. And he said, um, he said he, they both took off running towards their houses. And he said he went in his backyard and his parents had left the door unlocked for him to come in. And he said that his friend had this big dog on a chain, vicious dog. His friend went over there. He said he could hear that dog barking. And then his friend was banging and kicking on the back door. The parents had locked it. And he finally got in. And, and I asked him, I said, what, what, what do you think that was? Or how did that happen? How do you explain it? And he said there was a lady that lived on their block. And he named her that would practice witchcraft. Yeah. And he believes that that was her playing a prank on him and the friend. Wow. That was his explanation for it. Right. Man. But, um, <clears throat> yeah. My, uh, my dad, he had another, this is, this is an experience. Uh, when he was 20, 24, about 24 years old, he was working on a road crew where they build and repair roads, highways. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was near San Angelo, Texas. Uh, at the time he was living in Odessa, Texas, but 
this work crew had got the contract to work on a highway outside of San Angelo. And my dad was a flag man. And all he did was direct traffic with the flags. And one of the steamrollers had started acting up. And the guy reported that the brakes were going out on it. It was those open air steamrollers where you sit on a seat on top and it, it's the kind that has a bunch of wheels underneath it. Not, not the big concrete one that goes across, but yeah. have you seen the, have all the little, the little wheels? Yep. Well, it was one of those. It doesn't have any kind of roll cage or anything, but even if it did with all that weight, I don't think it would have mattered. Right. So it's the brakes started going out and instead of, um, taking it out of service and fixing it all they did is everyone showed back up to work the next day and that guy refused to get on it because they hadn't worked on it <laughs> so all, all they did was have have him switch out with my dad and put my dad up there mm. and so my dad said he got on there and, and sure enough he wasn't on it very long and 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 the brakes did go out and he said he could he could steer it but it would not stop and to not run over any coworkers and stuff, he steered it towards a towards the embankment, a ditch. And he said that he panicked. And instead of jumping off of it, all he did was grip the steering wheel real tight. Oh wow. Yeah, he said he was just impotent with fear. He couldn't act. And uh he said he had time to react. He saw, he saw, he knew, he felt like it was going to flip over and land wheels up, which he said it was going to crush him and kill him. And he said he was just, he knew he had to jump, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. He just got scared and gripped the wheel. And at this point, he said he felt two powerful hands. They, they grabbed his shoulder, one, one hand on each shoulder. Yes. And it gripped him and pulled him backwards off of it. Oh. It, flipped over on the embankment and sure enough it landed upside down wheels up and his life was spared but the bad thing is he landed on a big rock and it broke his lower back mm. now he ended up uh, with a brace and with all kinds of physical therapy and stuff and it took him about eight months but he recovered and was able to walk and stuff again but um, my brothers and I asked him what, uh, what happened or what was that? And my dad said it was a guardian angel that pulled him off. Absolutely. Yeah, and we, and we asked him, did you pray or anything like that? He said, no, he didn't have time to pray or ask for help. He, said he, just, he just was frozen with fear. But he said a guardian angel pulled him off. I believe that. I believe that 100%, man. Yeah, and he hadn't even met my mom yet. Um, what <laughs> I tell you about it. They had met, but he didn't know they were going to get married. Right. My dad's side of the family were migrant workers. Mm -hmm. And my mom's side of the family owned the farm. And so one time my dad, he was the oldest on his side of the family. My dad and my grandpa on my dad's side showed up at my other grandpa's house looking for work. Well, my grandpa had his daughter, who was uh, 12 at the time, bring a pitcher of water out for the for for the guests mm -hmm. which turned out to be my dad and his dad and, and my dad was eight years older than my mom so my dad was 20 when she was 12 wow and she told us this later and uh, of course she was 20 and he was 28 when they got married right 
So this incident with the guardian angel happened four years before they got married. Wow. And as a matter of fact, they weren't even dating them. Yeah. But well, when I said they hadn't even met yet, it's not quite true. They'd met, but not formally. Right. I got you. But um, yeah, they uh, there was all kinds of experiences like that. My my dad, um, we grew up in Odessa. And it's one of the bigger towns out there. Odessa and Midland. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Odessa, but it's where oh, the, the original Friday Night Lights. Yep. And uh, Chris Kyle, American Sniper, he's yep. from out there. But um, we were living in Odessa. This is when we were kids. And my dad believed in, have you ever heard of La Lechusa? It's a, it's a it, it's an owl that they say a witch is like witches can turn into these owls or the witch's spirit can get into the owl yeah and in, in spanish culture they call it or mexican culture they call it la lechuza mm. well my dad believed in that and i never really believed it but he did yeah and i remember one time he'd gone out to take the trash at night out to our burn barrels and my mom had locked the back door for the night and she didn't know he was out there throwing the trash. And next thing you know, my dad was banging and kicking on the door. And so we ran over there and she unlocked it and it was my dad. And I mean, he was scared. <sighs> and my dad was the most peaceful, calm guy, most patient man I'd ever met. To this day, I've not met anyone more patient than my dad. But this time he was upset. And he was scared and he could hardly talk and he was breathing heavy. And, and my mom asked him what happened. And he said there was a lechusa out near the alley mm. up on a telephone wire, on a telephone pole on a wire. And apparently it, it started uh, laughing at him and cussing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. And... I, you know, I don't know if that's true or not as far as does that happen or did his imagination get the best of him? Yeah. All I know is this. He believed it. He was really genuinely scared. Right. You know what I mean? There, there's no way to fake this. He was freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess what made him even more mad was the fact that my mom laughed. <laughs> but... I think she was laughing more out of the fact that she had never seen him that scared before that. I think that's what made her laugh. It was so unusual to see that. Yeah. Kind of shocked her. Right? Yeah. So then I'll get into some of the stuff that happened in that house where we grew up out, out in Odessa. And, uh, I will tell you this part of the house, the old part of the house had a wooden floor and the other part of the house, the newer part had a concrete floor. Mm-hmm. And to, to give you a little history on this, I, I'd ask my dad, where, where'd you get your house? And he said, what happened is this house was originally an army barracks, the wooden part. Out there near Pecos, there had been a, an airfield where they would train bomber pilots and stuff during mm -hmm. World War II. Well, this was one of those barrack buildings where the soldiers had stayed at. And then after the war was over, apparently some rancher or farmer out there somewhere in West Texas bought this place 
and he kept it on his property and that's where the migrant workers that would come through would would spend the night and stay there during the season and so my dad and my grandpa ended up buying it from that farmer and moved it to odessa where my dad had bought property and so his cousin and my grandpa and him they added the new part of the house around it with the concrete floor nice. so, yeah so this wooden part of the house had been army barracks and had been migrant worker barrack over the years and there was always weird stuff happening at our house growing up and i'll give you a couple of examples uh, me and my two younger brothers we we would share a king-size bed and we were always cutting up we never wanted to go to bed when they told us to go to sleep we wanted to keep joking and laughing and you know how it is oh yeah and uh one night my mom told us that we need to go to sleep we had school in the morning and we just kept laughing and then at that point she told us if we didn't go to sleep la mano peluda was gonna was gonna get us now la mano peluda means the hairy hand Uh oh yeah so of course we laughed it off and when she said la mano peluda which is the hairy hand we said la mano pelona which is the bald hand <laughs> and we made a joke and laughed aha it's funny you know like whatever oh we just made a complete joke out of it right so we we kept you know right now my kids call it roasting back then we called it a cut down contest <laughs> so we would sit there and try and cut each other down and, and just laugh and carry on well next thing you know i feel an arm go across my legs and then they went my middle brother was in the middle and the arm went across his legs and then my little brother was on the far end and something scratched his leg oh wow he felt the hand so i didn't all i felt was the weight of the arm reach across me right so we stopped laughing right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so there was silence for just a few seconds. And then I thought, my mom was the practical joke prankster type. My dad wasn't that way, but my mom was. She's the type that would pull a prank on you if she thought it would scare you and she could get a laugh out of it. <laughs> so we, we thought it was my mom trying to scare us, right? Right. So at this point, I jump out of the bed. And I start running towards the room, but, but as I'm going, I'm stomping on the floor. Cause I'm thinking I'm going to catch her crawling away right here. And I'm going to, I'm going to stomp on her. So teach her a lesson not to be scaring us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of course, my two brothers jump up and, and run after me. And, uh, we ran all the way down the hall and we ran into their room, flipped on the light. They're both under the blanket. Mm. It it wasn't them. We were the only five that lived in the house. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're looking for the pack that will help you survive the worst day of your life or a pack to use for your everyday carry that you never have to worry about failing. If you're looking for the perfect bug out bag, the perfect bushcraft pack uh, for camping, hiking, whatever your needs, go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com and check it out. All products are 100% made in America. You can use promo code Bump 22 and save 10% site wide. All right, that's Bump B U M P 22 to save 10% site wide. This is a veteran owned business. Like I said, every component of every product made in America the buckles, the zippers, the straps American made. Um, there's never been a more important time than now to bring it home. You know what I mean? So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. Best products on the market. I've got videos on YouTube about it if you want to see it. Um, Or just go to the website. Check it out. SquatchSurvivalGear.com. We ran all the way down the hall, and we ran into their room, flipped on the light. They were both under the blanket. Mm. It, It wasn't them. We were the only five that lived in the house. And that really scared us because... It wasn't her that reached across the there. They were under the blankets with the lights off in their room. Yeah, man. She's, there's no there's no way she could have got over there that fast. Did you wake her up and tell her about it? Well, yeah, we did because we wanted to sleep with them and they wouldn't let us then. <laughs> and uh, she ended up making my dad go and get our mattress and pull it over there into the room. And we ended up sleeping on the floor next to their <laughs> But we were too we were too afraid to go back over there, you know. Yeah, no doubt. And um, so there'll be a cautionary tale at the end of this because I'll tell you something similar kind of happened again later. Um, growing up, we didn't um, we didn't celebrate Christmas, but we, um, you know, back then we didn't celebrate Christmas because the Bible didn't say that. Jesus was born on December 25th. So therefore it's a lie. So that's why we weren't going to celebrate it. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I didn't know this till about uh, two years ago. I didn't know that it originally started out as a pagan holiday, Saturnalia, Apollo sun worship. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And oh, and, and the tree that's in, that's in Jeremiah, not to cut a tree down and bring it into your house and decorate it like the pagans do that. I didn't even know that was there. Wow, and so, God. Yeah. I think it's Jeremiah 10 where that's at. And um, so that was, that was other reasons we shouldn't have been, but I didn't know about all that back then. And we had one aunt that would still bring us a present. I guess she felt bad. I don't know if she felt bad for us. (laughs) She would always bring us a present every year. Anyway, we just, we could, we could open it before or we could open it after. We just couldn't do it then on that day. (laughs) 
And so one, one year she brought us a Monopoly board game and it was during the Christmas break. And so we were playing it. We were so obsessed with that Monopoly. Me and my brothers, we would just play it all the time. Right. And uh, we were the type that used to just play outside all the time, but we got that board game and we were indoors. And so I remember that it was finally time to go back after New Year's. We were supposed to go back to school. Well, we were still playing that game. And I remember it was the night before we went back to school and they told us to put it up, go to bed and we have school in the morning. So as usual, we didn't want to. And so we put it up turn off the lights and after everything got real quiet we snuck out of bed we took our monopoly game into the bathroom <laughs> yeah now you already know this is dumb we go in <laughs> and flip on the light we set the monopoly board on the toilet with the seat shut and then we were sitting on the bathtub and on the floor and we're around it playing we, we started a game right we we hadn't even finished handing out the money and stuff yet when right outside the door, we hear a voice whisper, and it said, Abel. Well, my middle brother's name was Abel. Oh, wow. And we heard that whisper, and we all stopped and looked at each other. Once again, I thought, it's my mom. So I kicked the bathroom door open real quick. So I thought, okay, well, if she's there, it's going to hit her, and that'll teach her not to scare us. You start to see a pattern here. And uh, she wasn't there again. <laughs> we peeked around there and it was pitch dark and quiet no, no one down the hall and at that point we put it up quickly turned off that light and we went to bed i bet i'll say you did yeah so you know i i came to this conclusion not too long ago that if you take those two incidents right there for example both times we were being disobedient mm-hmm I think that's part of the key is the kids are going to be disobedient. Yeah. But when she threatened us with the hairy hand that, oh, if you don't go to bed, this will happen. You know, lots of parents do that. I've, you know, hearing different shows and stuff, people would say the hate, the hate yeah. will get there or, or the booger. Yep. My grandmother used to use a boogeyman. Yeah. Or the, yeah, that's the other one. The boogeyman yeah. in, Spanish, in Spanish, they say el cucuy. El cucuy is the boogeyman. Yeah. And so they'll threaten the kids. If you don't behave, the boogeyman's going to get you, right? Yeah. Well, what I think, this is, this is my own conclusion here recent, not too long ago, just months ago or last year. When, when parents threaten the kids with something, when the kids are disobedient, which most are going to be probably, mm -hmm. that gives these demonic or evil things. It's kind of like they got permission to do it. Yep. Because they... The parent threatened the kids. The kids were disobedient, so they figure, oh, well, they were warned, and they did it. Yeah. So we, we have permission to do it. Yeah. Based on that hairy hand thing and, and then this other thing when we were in the bathroom, I, I've gotten to the point where so that it won't happen to my boys, like if I tell them to go to bed or something, I, I won't even give them a specific time. I mean, if it's, if it's a school night, I'll give them a time, right? Right. But like on the weekend, I'll just say something like, uh, don't stay up too late because we've got this tomorrow or whatever. Right. But I won't give them a specific time because I don't want that to be misinterpreted as they're being disobedient and something happens. Oh, that's a good idea. 
You know, that's a I, really, that's a that's protecting your kids, man. Yeah, it is, and I won't never threaten them with anything. Not not Kukui, not Boogeyman, not Harry Ann, nothing. Right. Yeah, because I think a lot of times the parents don't mean harm. It's kind of just to scare the kids into compliance. But right, I, I think it can back. You know, maybe it can. And, you know, just like they say, you can speak things into existence, right? That's why you're not supposed to speak, yeah. know, speak evil. Um, yeah. Maybe it's like a, you know, a variant of a curse, almost. I mean. Yes. So I think you're. We got to be careful. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, so in that same house, this happened. Um, I was a sophomore. I was 16. I'd got my driver's license. So at this point I wasn't riding the bus anymore. And my mom and dad both worked. So they'd already left for work. My two younger brothers had already caught the bus. So I was the last one left in the house and I was getting ready for school. And I would go pick up a friend of mine named Chad. He lived about 14 streets away from me and he didn't have a car or license yet. He's my best friend. So I'd leave my house, go pick him up, and we'd go to go on to high school. And one morning, I was uh, leaned over the bathroom sink, and I was combing my hair. I was washing my face. And all of a sudden, when I tried to stand up straight, I felt like something was hanging off my chest. And it caused me to bend back over. And any time I would try and straighten up, it would hurt. It was like sharp pains, like. It, it was almost like I had claws in me, but, mm -hmm. but imagine them going through you like, like ice picks or something like you could feel the pain go into you. And my first initial thought was I'm having a heart attack. Right. And then I thought, wait a second, I'm 16 and I'm athletic. I played sports and right. I was in relatively good shape. I think I'll be having a heart attack at 16. So the only relief I would get was if I would bend over. Anytime I try to straighten up, it would hurt too much. And I felt like I was being pulled down into that position. So I'm thinking heart attack. And then at one point I thought maybe it's a, some type of spiritual attack, yeah. a demonic attack. But that, that can't be. So I don't want to admit it. So I ended up walking down the hall bent over I, I grabbed the car keys i locked the door i tried to stand up at the front porch and it pulled me back down and it hurt and i'm still i'm thinking heart attack but i'm thinking heart attack would hurt you either way not just when you're not just when you stand up right yeah so i got in the car and I even tried to lean back in the seat and I couldn't, I had to be hunched over towards the steering wheel. So I'm backing out and I'm still thinking, okay, this could be some kind of spiritual attack or demonic attack. And then I thought, but no, it can't be. That just, that just seems impossible, you know? And I, I just started driving towards my friend's house and it, I tried another two or three times to sit back up in my seat. And every time it hurt too bad. I finally decided I'm just going to pray. And as soon as I prayed, I was able to sit up and it went away. <laughs> of course. Yes. So at that point, I realized it wasn't a heart attack and I should have prayed right away when it happened. And I was kind of like in self-denial. 
And you know, I, yeah, so that's what happened. You know, that, that self-denial, I think that sometimes that's, that's those little demons whispering, man, you know, or, or keeping it, trying to keep it out of your mind, you know, because as soon as you say it, it's over. So they plant those little seeds of doubt because we're all vulnerable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That house right there, you would hear, you know, the, the typical stuff you normally hear where there'll be footsteps in the house when yeah. uh, there was times I was the only one in the house and you could hear footsteps or I'd hear my mom call my name and she's not home. <laughs> yeah. Just stuff like that. I mean, th that was the minor stuff, you know, but something that happened. Uh, my youngest brother was the last one that was still at home. And back when he was about 19, he used to work at, uh, he had two, two separate fast food jobs. Cause you know, they're not going to give you full-time status. So he worked part-time at two different ones Yep. and him and his friends were real big into D and D dungeons and dragons. Yes, sir. And so they would stay up and play that. They would play it for days. I mean, deprive themselves of sleep. And he said one time he got off work and his friends invited him and they, they played for hours and he hadn't slept. And he told them he was going to go home and take a shower. And they're like, well, well, come on back. We want you to come back and keep playing. He said it was the middle of the night. He's exhausted. And so they finally got him to agree to come back after he took a shower. So he, he, he was going home, you know, same house I'm telling you. And he was about five or six blocks away from our house. And he came to this four-way intersection. And he said, this was during the summer. He had, he had his driver's window rolled down. Now, this old Cavalier that he drove, it had crank windows. He didn't have power windows. Yeah. And he pulled up at this four-way stop sign. And he said it was sometime after one or two in the morning. And when he pulled up, he said he looked over, no cars. And when he looked over to the left, now there's this dog, a black dog, outside his driver's door window. Mm -hmm. It's sitting there. And this dog's big enough that it's sitting in the, right there at the intersection. And when you look over, its head is right, is high enough to look in his window. Oh, wow. And this black dog, he said it had human eyes. Mm. Yes. He said that the hair stood up on his arms and the back of his neck. And he said the look in its eyes was like it wanted him to talk to him. And he said no thanks <laughs> and and he accelerated out of there he said if he'd have reached out he could have touched it and he said and the window was down and i and it was a crank window he said i didn't have time to crank it up yeah so he floored it and got out of there and I he know. said he yeah he took that as a sign that he needed to stay home <laughs> I, I don't blame him <laughs> <laughs> but that reminds me of a of a black dog story that my dad told me that my grandpa told him now the only thing i the only little detail here that i can't remember is if my grandpa witnessed this or if another man witnessed it and told my grandpa but this one goes back to kermit texas again 
And um, this guy was sitting on his porch and saw this old drunk. He's walking home from the bar. And when he came around the bar, there was the black dog waiting on him. And he saw the, the black dog ended up grabbing the, the drunk guy's shirt or jacket cuff the sleeve Mm. and started it started leading him home so apparently whether this was another guy that saw this or my grandpa that saw it either way it was my grandpa that told my dad he said that the they asked the they asked the drunk guy the next day they said of course this again was in spanish but they asked him hey what that's such a good dog you got there where'd you get him trained the one that they go he goes which dog they go that black dog that um that led you home last night (laughs) he said that wasn't my dog he said that dog had red eyes he said that dog was standing there when i came out and it was in my way and he said i went to punch it in the in the face and he said and when i did it opened its mouth and and caught my fist inside its teeth oh my god yeah and he said at that point it wouldn't let him go until he, he he got all the way home he said, and that's at that point when he finally released him and, and took off. But the guy had thought it was a, a trained dog that led his master home, and it wasn't. He said, that wasn't my dog. He said, it was a black dog with red eyes, and he tried to hit it. Mm. See, now, I, I got a question, but I'm going to save it towards the, towards yeah. the end here. Um, okay. I, I want to hang on to it because this is – there's so many things going on. Right. Um. And you had stuff to go on with your uh, your father-in-law too, right? Yes. My father-in-law had some – he just turned 72 last week, and um, he had a lot of stuff that he experienced growing up. And um, he used to drink a lot back then. I guess uh, that's kind of a, a Mexican macho man culture thing. Hey, the guys drink and the guys are tough. <laughs> Well, it, my family's uh, my family's <laughs> like Italian Hungarians, and they they had the same issue. <laughs> Did they really? Oh yeah, man! Everybody was well, a drinker. Everybody. It, hey, they work hard and they party hard. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how they were. And um, let's see, one of the first things that happened, my father-in-law was probably somewhere around nineteen or twenty. Now, he was a real, back then he lived in Ballantyne, Texas, that's south of Van Horn, and there's hardly anything out there but ranches and stuff, and he was working at a ranch that was north of Van Horn, and he was a, he was basically an actual cowboy, you know, the kind that work cattle, repair fences, and from time to time they sleep under the stars at night. Yeah. He was that type of ranch hand cowboy ever since he was, I believe he was 15 when he first started working on a ranch. Well, this happened when he was about 19 and he was working there with his uh, cousin. And one weekend they'd gotten off work and they were going to go into, they lived in Valentine, but they were going to go into town to Van Horn to go to the big thing back then was to go to a dance. So they, you know, they would end up drinking and trying to dance with girls and stuff. And he said they'd gotten off work and they were going down this. There was a caliche 
the Caliche road that led to the, where they were staying at. And they see this good looking, beautiful young woman walking on the side of the road. And right away they, they started fighting over, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go out with her. And there's the other one's like, no, I'm going to go out with her. They finally, they finally decided, okay, we'll tell you what, we'll, we'll let her decide who she wants to go out with. And whoever she doesn't pick is going to get out and walk the rest of the way home. So they both agreed. Okay, that's what we'll do. So they pulled over, and right away that that lady uh, started talking to um, my father-in-law's cousin. He was the one driving. So that had been the agreement. So right there, my father-in-law got out of the vehicle, and she got in, and the cousin took off in the car, and my father-in-law started walking walking the rest of the way home he said it wasn't a matter of a few seconds next thing you know he hears the car over there going off the road and peeling out it whips a u-turn and it came back to get him he said um, the car pulled up his cousin's telling him to get in he, he jumps in he said his face was all scratched up and bleeding okay. and yeah he said what happened what happened he said that that uh as soon as they took off, he said that beautiful woman, it turned into some ugly, demonic looking creature. Oh. It had fangs, it had sharp claws, and it, it attacked him. It started uh, trying to scratch him and choke him out. And that's when he started going off the road and stuff. And of course, he screamed and freaked out. And yeah. when he whipped the U-turn, it, it ended up just disappearing. Now, Ooh. My father-in-law better be glad that it didn't pick him. Yeah, really. Because a few years later, I think it was within five years later, that that cousin turned up murdered in his car in a parking lot. No. Yeah. So I don't know if there's a connection between that incident with that demonic thing that attacked him and him being murdered and it was an unsolved murder and i don't know if it's just a coincidence or if it's connected but that that actually happened because when he was telling me the story i asked him and whatever happened to your cousin and that's when he told me oh he was he was murdered they found him dead in his car and they never found out who did it my goodness yeah that was that was one incident with my father-in-law and then Back when they lived in Valentine, they lived uh, right near the, there was a railroad track that would run right down the middle of town. And my father-in-law's house was right there by the tracks. My wife says that there was always uh, hobos and transients coming off the train. They would always come up to their house asking for, for water or food or something. But apparently there was a little bar that was across the tracks also from their house. And my father-in-law one night was going to go over there and had a big old argument with my mother-in-law, which that was typical because back then he drank a lot and they had a big argument because he was going to go to that bar and she's told him stay home. He's already had enough to drink already. And he's like, no, nah, no one's, no woman's going to tell him what to do. So he decided he was going to go anyway. <laughs> he didn't make it too far <laughs> into the front yard when next thing you know, they heard screaming. I mean, it was bloody murder. He was calling. He was calling my mother-in-law for help to come help him. <laughs> so she ran out there and 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 found him in the front yard and 
he was beat up and bleeding and she she drug him in helped him into the house and she asked him what happened now at this point he's scared and she asked him what happened and he said that as he was walking across the yard to, to try and get over to that bar he said uh a man in black attacked him and he said every time he would try and look up to see his face he said his eyes couldn't see up past his chest wow yeah but this man in black was uh beating the tar out of him and he couldn't get him off of him and that's when he was screaming for help and once his wife came out it, it that whatever that was disappeared but he said the only way he described it was a man in black and i couldn't see his face wow yeah he jumped him and he didn't go to the bar that night yeah a giant of a man (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know if that was or what that was i mean i've I've heard of the man in black i don't know i don't know if it was that man in black or not but the uh this other thing that happened to him uh well hold on before i tell you that one the, the, he saw a giant bird one time over there at at that ranch near uh north of van horn uh-huh. it was one morning he got out there to the ranch before all the other hands were there and he got up in a tractor and as he got over to the this fence line he said he said he spotted this bird it was a giant actual he said it's a live bird an actual bird yeah he said it was about five feet tall it was up against the fence post. That's how he knows. Mm. And he said it was sitting there. He said he, he got scared because he'd never seen a bird that big. And it's just sitting there on the ground. And he said he looked at it. And at first he thought he it didn't, it wasn't moving. So he thought, is that even real? Is that fake? And so he stopped his tractor and was looking at it. And he said, that's when it, it turned its head and he saw its eyes blink. He said, so it was an actual live bird. And he said he sat there and stared at it and he was waiting for the, he didn't move because he was waiting for the, um, he was afraid to get down off the tractor for one. Mm -hmm. He was waiting for the other ranch hands to get there so they could see it. And he said this thing, it didn't fly off or anything. It was just sitting there. And he he said he waited there a long time. He said close to half an hour and they, they, they wouldn't show up for work. Eventually he, he ended up taking off. Wow. But. Yeah, but he said that it was an actual five-foot-tall bird. He said it had, like, brown feathers. So I don't know what kind of bird that was, but he said it was an actual live. It wasn't – he said its eyes were blinking and it moved its head, but it never took it never took flight, so he never saw a wingspan or anything like that. Right. Yeah, but, I, know, I know cranes can get pretty big, but I don't know about five feet tall. Yeah, and, and that's another thing, too. It, it, he said it was like a bird – like a – it was more of a, a hawk or eagle type bird, not not really a crane. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. But it was an actual bird. It wasn't a, you know, out there in West Texas, you hear about pterodactyls, but no, he right. said it, was, it wasn't anything like that. He said it actually had feathers. Wow. But the, the um, years later, he's probably in his late 30s, early 40s. He had uh, moved to Odessa and moved the family to Odessa and he had gone over to they're having a party over a barbecue and a party over at one of one of the other relatives houses and when they got there one of his nieces she she was married to this one white guy and 
all his other, all, all his nephews and his brothers that were there at that, that party, they told him to be careful around the, his niece's husband. They said, because once he starts drinking, he turns into a werewolf. Wow. That's, that's the word they use, the werewolf. Yeah. So I, I told myself, I got to hear this. And he said, nah, he said, you know, he said, I didn't believe him when they said he would turn into a werewolf. And they go, no, we're not kidding. We're, we're warning you. You better watch it. He, he, he does turn into a werewolf. And um, he said, nah, he goes, he said, if he tries that with me, he said, I'll just kick him in the, you know, where, <laughs> kick him in the rear end. He said, and because, uh, you know, that's macho guy talk. You know, I'm not scared. Yeah, I'm not scared. I, I can handle this. Yeah. And uh, so sure enough, he said, as they as the night went on, he said they, they had started drinking. And next thing you know, this guy st started growling. And, and they were like, uh-oh, you know, here it is. We told you. And he said, and the guy dropped down and was laying in a prone position on the ground face down and my father-in-law having a our, our little bit of liquid courage already in him and and he's like ah this is nothing watch this i'll get him up so he straddles him he stands over him oh, no. at this yeah at this point this guy comes straight up he, he ended up throwing my father-in-law something like he said it was like 12 feet up in the air and about 15 feet back. Oh my gosh. And when he landed, my father-in-law broke his leg. I mean, it was the, the bone snapped. Yeah. He, he couldn't get out of there. He said, this guy, his, his face turned was contorted and real ugly. And he started growling. And he said, at this point, he started jumping from the ground up onto the roof of his house. And he said, once he was up there, he would drop face first onto the ground to the point that his face was a bloody, mushy mess. His face was mangled and covered in blood. And he said, and the whole time he was making growling noises and, and then he would jump back up onto the roof of the house and then fall face first back onto the ground. He did this several times and um, eventually he passed out they called him they took him to the hospital they got him some help and he said the next day he's at the hospital and they've got of course they put a cast on his leg and he said they had his leg up in the air with suspended by some wires and he was there with my mother-in-law when next thing you know that niece and her husband walk in and he said the the guy looked normal he said he did, his face looked normal. He was talking normal. He said he didn't have any cuts on his face. He was cleaned up like nothing had happened. Mm -hmm. And the guy came over and apologized. He said, he goes, hey, I just, I'm, I just came to tell you I'm sorry. Everyone's telling me I did this to you. He said, I'm just here to apologize to you. And my father-in-law said he was so scared. He said the whole time, he said, I didn't even hear what he was saying to me. He said, because I thought if he if he changes like he did last night, he said, I'm stuck here with my foot up in there on these wires. I can't even escape. Yeah. And um, so that's, that's what they, the people had warned him was a werewolf. You know, if you ask me, I think it's a, a guy that was possessed. That's exactly what that sounds like. 
Yeah, because I asked him if he was, you know, if he sprouted hair, was covered in hair. He said no, he he didn't he didn't sprout any hair. He just had a contorted, ugly look and, and was growling and making yeah. noise. But yeah, I just think it was a demonic possessed guy. And uh, what I found out after he told me that story, what I found out from my wife is she said that that cousin said that 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 guy would do that from time to time and he could feel it coming on yeah and sometimes he would hand her the car keys and say take off he said i it's i feel it it's coming on and other times the change was so drastic that she had rigged the closet to where she could hide in it and lock it lock herself in from the inside yeah terrifying because when the guy would change or transform whatever you want to call it Sometimes she couldn't make it out of the house, so she'd have to lock herself in the closet, and he would spend the whole time beating on it, trying to get in. And uh, eventually, they ended up divorced. Yeah. And they both since they both since passed on. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that was my father-in-law's quote-unquote werewolf story. Man, that okay. Let me ask it now. <laughs> okay. That was uh, that's a that's that's a good one to uh to to stop at for tonight. Um, okay. Uh, I, if you would come on to do a part two or three or four, <laughs> you know, I would love to hear more. It's oh, absolutely. Fun. It's getting late here. I got to get up early in the morning for work. But yes, I, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions first, Pete. If you all okay. Um, all right. Why? Um. The, there is so much, and I, I believe all of these stories. You know, maybe it's just the type of personality or my my worldview or whatever. But right. what what do you think is uh, what do you think is the cause that all of this paranormal and supernatural activity is happening and has happened to your family? Um, is it because they believe? Is it because that you know is there some kind of generational um attraction or what what do you think it is um you know i'm not really sure other than i've thought about the the generational thing but not really because you know i feel like we've been blessed on both sides of the family right I think it's because we're believers, we're Christian, we're believers in Christ. And I think it's, uh, these things have been around for ages. And, you know, if he, you know, I think it goes back to Ephesians 6, 12, you know, Ephesians 6, 10 and 11 tells us to put on the full armor of God. Yes, sir. And then Ephesians 6, 12 tells you, this is key because Paul says, for we wrestle not with flesh and blood. And he says, and then it's comma, but with uh, principalities and powers and yes, princes and dark places. Basically, that's, that's describing the demonic. Yes, it is. So what that's saying right there is, you know, this is very interesting because, you know, even, even even the preacher at my church says the demonic stuff was back during when Jesus walked 
and and that that stuff doesn't really happen now huh. i don't yeah i don't agree with that and i've told him i don't agree with it and i brought up ephesians 6 12 where it says we wrestle not with flesh and blood comma he he always translated that as saying evil people and i said well it's not talking about evil people because he starts out by saying we wrestle not with flesh and blood comma so that if it's not flesh and blood that right there you could take people out of the equation it's talking about demonic spirits is what it's talking about absolutely it is and so you know i think it's um let's put it to you this way and we can get into this when i when i tell you more all this stuff you know you know at one point i was uh, what you call a backslidden christian and i was drinking heavily and, I, and i'll get into the circumstances behind that yeah. what led to that and you know when i was drinking heavily and stuff it's like they've already got you then they don't gotta mess with you yep it's when you're trying to do right is when they start messing with you and trying to trip you up and have, have you ever noticed when you try and walk the straight and narrow and the activity increases oh let me tell you brother it it has hit my whole house for the last four five months uh i i, I really believe that the spiritual attacks got physical you know um yeah. not not that some creepy you know, I wasn't like thrown against the wall or anything like that, but it's just afflictions. You know what I mean? Right. Um, we've had so many challenges and the devil knows where to get you. And that's what's been targeted. Right. Um, it's it's not going to work. You know, I feel like every day we overcome new hurdles. We rebuke everything that comes after us. Uh, you know, we're we're covered in the blood. Right. But yeah, long story short, yes, sir, I, I agree with you 100%. That's, that's when it comes after you is when you're doing better. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, there had been a, there had been a guy that came on the confessionals a couple of times named Hector. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I've heard you Hector. Remember you remember that? Um, I ended up contacting him and I never got to speak with him, but I got to speak with some of the other prayer warriors and, we had a few sessions and uh, I could tell you what, I noticed a big difference after those prayer sessions with those prayer warriors. Um, I went from not being able to sleep. I mean, you could call it insomnia. You would hear knocking and you could hear scratching in the walls and knocking and pops and all kinds of stuff. By the time we got done, I'm telling you, it's been a night and day difference. I, I sleep peacefully now. Yep. Uh, I get on my knees before I go to sleep. I get on my knees when I wake up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That makes and, a difference, uh, I think. It, it makes a big difference. And and I'll tell you, this this sleep has been so peaceful. It's better than a sleeping pill. It's better than Benadryl. <laughs> yes. It's, it's better than, I mean, it's like I, I pray, I lay down, and it's like a blanket of drowsiness comes over me. Yes. And... And then God lifts it when it's time to get up. I feel it come off like a blanket. Yes. I feel it. And, and it's time to, it's time to get up, you know, but, but I'm actually sleeping now and it's restful, quiet, peaceful. Yes. Um, for a long time. And I'm sure part of it was looking for excuses, but 
for a long time, uh, I would get bouts of insomnia. You know, nights where I would just lay there and my mind would turn on and there I would be till three, four o'clock in the morning having to get up at 530 for work. So to fight that, I'd get up and I'd make a strong drink. You know, I'd get up and oh yeah, grab some whiskey, go sit on the patio and try to at least sedate myself enough to sleep. Um, should I do that? Probably not. But right. I did, you know. Um, and then I, I picked up these habits. I was like, well, I would read a little bit before I went to bed. And that would help, you know, that would help a lot. But now, you know, at this point in my life, Every night, I, I say my prayers. Yep. Then I kick back with, with the Bible. I read right. a couple pages, a couple chapters, whatever. And when I roll over to go to bed, let me tell you, I don't hardly remember turning off the lamp. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just yeah. straight to sleep, but it's so, so much better. It is. It, uh, before I would catch a, a black streak or a shadow move by out of the corner of my eye, that's gone. Yeah. Um, I've not heard any scratching in the walls. I've not heard it. You know, you don't hear pops and knocks and all kinds of stuff at all hours. Yeah. A lot of the activity would happen between three and four in the morning. And, but, but you know what, at other times too, not just then. Right. And, um, I, I would, you know, if, if you, if you read first Timothy chapter four, uh-huh. uh, start at verse number one. And it talks about uh, seducing spirits and the doctrine of demons or devils. And it says that the, uh, the Holy Spirit explicitly says that in the latter days, people will fall away from the, from the truth and, and from the truth of the gospel. And be, they're going to they're gonna succumb to seducing spirits and and. And the doctrine of demons or the doctrine of devils. Yeah. And the reason I think it's important to say that is because, you know, we're talking about the black stuff. I think if you encounter any being, any being with red eyes, I think that's demonic. I do too. And anything that's black or black and hairy or black and hairy with red eyes, <laughs> that's a demon. And it and whatever it tells you it's probably a lie because the devil's the father of lies. Yes. And the, the best thing you can do to guard against it is read the actual Bible, read it for yourself. And if you think the Bible's full of contradictions, or if you don't understand it, is it because you actually read that and you think that, or is it because you're listening to what other people are telling you? Because if you'll read the actual Bible, then when you when you come across stuff that's counterfeit, then you'll recognize it as such. And when it when when that First Timothy chapter four talks about the doctrine of devils and demons, I'm gonna tell you right now, you know, the Bereans, anything they were told, they would compare it to what the scripture says. And if it didn't contradict the scripture, then they might accept it. And that's how we're supposed to be. So if all of a sudden you find out that now you're being told that say the holy spirit is female right. that that does not go with what the bible says and you find that in other pagan religions and they try and incorporate it and they're trying to corrupt and deceive and lead people astray and 
you don't necessarily have to worship the devil to lose your salvation. All you got to do is not follow the true doctrine and the, and the true, the true God, the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, you know? And, you know, the Bible talks about a great falling away at the end. Yeah. And people are led astray. And the main way, the main way that happens is if you don't read the Bible for yourself, then one thing I pray for is discernment so that I won't be deceived. Absolutely. Yes. You know, I pray for that at night, every night. Um, I pray for wisdom. Yep. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> it, and, uh, and here's the other thing that, that, that leads me to one other thing too. You know, when God tells you that he's a jealous God, don't have any other gods before him. Yes. If you were all knowing and all powerful and you created everything, would you want anyone else to get worshiped? If you were the one that did it all, right. you know, he created everyone and everything. He wants, he wants us to worship him. We're supposed to worship the creator, not the creation. Amen. Yes. And if he tells you that he hates, you know, he hates sin. He hates inequity. Mm-hmm. But you know what? He's a patient God. He's slow to anger and he's a loving God. He's right. all powerful. Right. And sometimes you hear people say, uh, well, I don't believe in a, in a God that hates or a God that's jealous. And my God's all about light. My God's all about love. Uh-huh. When, you, when, when people say stuff like that, what you're doing is the real God, he's, he's told you what he is and what he believes and how he wants it to be. And when you don't accept that and you say, well, my God's this. Well, what happened is you just created your own God. You created an idol, one that suits you. Yes. You know, because you don't want to accept the real one. But he's told you what he is. Yes, he's jealous. Don't have any other gods before him. Right. And yes, he hates sin. He hates. Oh, and then some people bring up the fact that he had he ordered them certain tribes destroyed men, women, and children. Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever stopped to think that maybe they were never meant to be created to begin with and he didn't create them. So they weren't even supposed to exist. And maybe that's why he said to wipe them out. Yeah. Everybody think about that, you know, yeah. anybody that's against God or, or the actual scripture, they're going to, they're going to try and twist it however they want. You know, you know, the giant bones they find everywhere, but they hide it and disappear. Absolutely. I think there's two reasons for that, in my opinion. One, because if that matches the Bible and that turns out to be true, then they'd be acknowledging that maybe the everything else in the Bible is true, too. Right. And the other reason to take the bones is because they want to extract DNA and continue the that crap from way back then and start it over now. Yeah, the corruption of the bloodlines. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, all, it all goes back to that, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I do have plenty more to tell you about if you ever want to hear it and it's uh hey you got the list i sent you and it, yeah. it's been a pleasure talking to you tonight i i know you got to get up and thanks for having me on and it's nice know. talking to you it, it has been a pleasure it's been a blessing i've absolutely loved it pete and i i hate to even stop tonight at this time um yeah. if you're free i i tell you what i'll i'll message you i'll email you tonight um 
we'll, okay. we'll line something up in the very near future, like this later on this week, if we can, maybe because oh, yeah, that would be great. Because I I've thoroughly enjoyed this, and I, I want to keep this going. Um, but you're you're a great person. You got heart of gold. I just love talking to you. You know what I mean? I, we could talk about we could talk off the air if you want to. I wouldn't care. Uh, yeah. I just I really appreciate getting to know you. Yes, sir. I, I'll tell you something else. I was praying hard for you, and you and I had not even met yet. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you recovered, and <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, you you were in my prayers. Thank you. I could feel that. You know, I I that's why I was something kind of proud. I was telling my wife, and I wound up they kind of elbowed me into testifying about it at church. Uh, <laughs> there was so much going on. I. And I was getting so many messages and so many, you know, so much support. I literally laying in the hospital bed, I could feel myself being healed. I felt those prayers going up. I felt those blessings. So yeah. prayer works. I hope people know that. I hope people believe in it. Um, the power of prayer, there's, there's nothing like it. Yes, sir. But uh, Pete, thank you very much. Uh, I will email you probably some point tomorrow. I got to run up, take a shower, and hit the sack. <laughs> okay. All right. Sounds good. That sounds good, brother. God bless you and take care. And I'll, I can't wait to hear from you. Hey, God bless you and yours, man. And I'll, I'll talk to you later. All right. Good night. Hey, good night, Pete. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. That's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. If you just have to have more content, you can go to patreon.com slash the bump podcast and subscribe and be a patron. Uh, got more and more content on there every week. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, to catch up on past episodes, go to the bumppodcast.com, click the episode tab, and it'll take you to any episode you want to listen to. Also, if you want to be on the show, I would love to have you on. Share your story with us. Go to the bumppodcast.com. Click the holler at me button and holler at me. Send me an email, thebumppodcast at gmail.com, and uh, I'll get you on as fast as we can. All right, again, thanks for listening. I love you guys. Until next time, don't stop believing.